Welcome to the weekly service message from the Crossbridge Church. Look for us on the web at www.crossbridgeny.org. Join us now as Pastor Nate Young delivers this week's message. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles up to 1 John. We are in chapter 4. We've moved through the first three chapters of 1 John. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6 of 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Um, if you know anything about me, you know that I love to be outside. I love nature. I love to be in nature. I enjoy much about nature. I love a starlit sky. Something here on Long Island we don't get to see very often. You have to navigate off the island to see more than five stars. One other thing that I, I love about nature, about being in nature, is a cool morning where the, the sun is barely rising above the sky. Uh, a little while ago, I was upstate camping with my boys and some other men, and the place that we were camping is kind of on the, the uh, side of the mountain. Did you guys know we have mountains in New York? Did you? I, I forget sometimes that that's the case because of this concrete jungle that we live in. But we do have mountains. You know we have the ocean. We are all aware of that. But there's this beautiful part of New York that's called upstate New York. Have you guys ever been to, to that part of New York? It's beautiful. There's mountains. There's clear, cool, fresh water. It's beautiful. We were up there camping recently, and in the morning, we'd, the boys and I had slept outside in a tent. And in the morning when we woke up, we were camped on the side of the mountain, and the sun was just barely starting to shine. And, and down in the valley, in between these mountain ranges, there was a fog, and it was beautiful. Uh, and the morning was cool and you couldn't see anything down in the valley but the fog. It was gorgeous. And so the boys and I decided that we would walk down into the fog. We wanted to see if it was cooler down below. Uh, and if you didn't know, when you walk into cool fog, what you get is wet. That's what you get. But a funny thing happened to us because we were in a place that we hadn't really been any uh, very much. Once we got into the fog we had a hard time seeing where we were. We had an idea of where we were, but we had a very difficult time seeing where we needed to go, where there were holes we were going to fall into, and we didn't know the lay of the area very well. But when we came back out of the fog and came up onto the mountain, we could see everything. We can see all of the lay of the land. Let me suggest to you that, that what is prevalent in today's day and age and much of the teaching that exists out there, it is a giant, confusing fog. And if you let yourself get too far into the fog, it's very easy for you to get lost and distracted inside of the fog, and it's very hard to find your way out of the fog. But what we're going to see today is that God's Word, through the power of His Spirit, gives us the ability to climb up to the side of the mountain to see the lay of the land and, in a sense, see through the fog of false teaching. So with this in your mind, I want to invite you to, to stand one more time for a reading from the Word of God. If you're able, please stand with me. 1 John chapter 4. 
Let's read verses 1 through 6 together, if you'll follow along. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is a reading from the Word of God. You may be seated. What I suggested to you today in my opening analogy is that the, the world today, the world that we currently live in is filled with lies. Lies about God, lies about us, and there's no shortage of those who would teach and spread these lies for their own benefit, oftentimes unknowingly advancing the devil's agenda. But with biblical discernment, we can see through the lies and know the truth. So what, what I want to hopefully unpack for you today is having biblical discernment in a world filled with lies. So let, let's take a look at verse 1, 2, and 6. I think in these particular verses, what we're going to find is three ways to gain what's often referred to as biblical discernment, the ability to discern biblically the difference between truth and lies. The very first thing, the very first instruction that uh, John gives us here in John chapter 4, he says, do not believe every spirit. Let me suggest to you, and, and hopefully this is in some sense common sense to you, but, but may not be, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything that you hear. Maybe you have made this mistake. I have made it more than once. I have shared an article on social media that I didn't fact check, and that article turned out to be a lie. Has anybody else ever done that? Nobody, nobody here, just me. Okay. <laughs> What's interesting about the way that this is worded, he says, do not believe every spirit. What's implied in this statement is that those that he are writing to, some of them are, are already believing every spirit. And so you must hear this caution today. There is a chance, a very good chance, that you have accepted some sort of teaching into your heart and mind that has come from a spirit other than God. And so he starts out right away saying, you need to examine your life and make sure that you are not believing every spirit. And we're going to get to how you do that in a minute. But it's imperative for you to begin to think about ways in which you may have accepted some sort of non-biblical false teaching and you've received it into your life. He is literally stopping 
or he is literally calling for a stopping of an action in progress. And you may have fallen into this same behavior of accepting something that sounds good, but is in fact a lie. This seems to be happening at an exponentially faster rate than it ever has in the past. There are some very silly things that have happened about us, again, around us. Um, I mentioned social media before. This will tell you how far I am out of things in terms of social media. Do you remember the Tide Pod challenge? Do you, do you know about this? Where kids were eating Tide Pods as if it was like a safe thing to, to do. This really did happen, right? I'm not just making this up. You ate a Tide Pod? Oh, okay, all right. The other one that I've seen that is hilarious, have you guys seen the milk crate one where they stack up the milk crates and they try to run up it? Those people really believe they can run up those milk crates. Have you seen this? Am I, I just talking about nonsense? No, you've not seen it. Caden, don't try it, buddy, okay? Don't eat Tide Pods and don't try to run up milk carts, all right? You got it? We are at this stage in our culture where people will believe that they can do anything to earn the favor of other people. This is the danger of believing something that isn't true, that, that you would believe something and act upon something with the hope of earning the approval of other people. We can be tempted to believe almost anything and everything, especially if I want to be liked by a certain person or a group of people. We can be tempted to go along with what they, see, they say. Here's the most dangerous one. Or I could be tempted to believe a lie that would seem to bring me some sort of advantage. This is how lies, in a sense, began. Do you remember in Genesis when Satan comes to Eve and he says, did God really say? He contradicts God's word. And in that moment, Eve looks upon the fruit and she sees that it's good for food. She's hoping to gain some sort of advantage. And some of you might say, Pastor, this isn't a, a very good passage to bring up on Mother's Day because in this passage, women ruin everything. So, happy Mother's Day. You messed it all up for everybody. Good job. But here, here's the, the point that I'm trying to get at. Eve believes a lie, hoping to gain an advantage. She's hoping to at least get something good to eat, but the lie from Satan is that she can become God. But that was completely against the word of God. And as a result, the, the whole world is plunged into sin. Mothers, ladies, let me say to you that one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your children, that you can give to your husband, that you can give to your families, that you can give to those who are around you, is that you are known to be a woman of biblical discernment who doesn't believe everything they hear. And we're going to get to how you have the power to do that in a moment. But let me suggest to you that this is one of the greatest things that you can pass on to those around you, that you would not be a person who believes everything that you hear. The second way to gain biblical discernment. First, do not believe everything you hear. Second, focus on Christ. Look at verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. 
And in this particular verse, John encourages us to focus on two things about Christ here in verse 2. Number one, his humanity. John says that they must confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And this is not the first time that John has encouraged us to focus upon the humanity of Jesus Christ. In part because this is no small thing that God himself came in the flesh as Jesus Christ. That the second person of the Trinity descended from heaven to take upon himself human nature. He states this very clearly in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God and man. He is truly God and truly man. He, he continues on in John chapter 1, verse 14. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Something else that John is calling us to, to focus upon here is, is the reality of the lasting nature of the humanness of Jesus. Jesus comes and takes upon himself human flesh. He becomes like us so that he can live as us perfectly and die in the place of us as our human representatives and perfect sacrifice. But when he resurrects, when he ascends into heaven, Jesus didn't take on human flesh just for a short time and then cast off his humanity when he back, went back to heaven. He now advocates before God the Father as both God and man, and he will continue to do this for us from now into eternity. Jesus Christ, as God and as man, stands before the throne room of God the Father and advocates on behalf of those who have repented and received Christ as their Savior. This is part of the significance of the humanity of Christ. But in verse 2, there is something very special that John outlines for us in this particular verse. This is one of the few places, if not one of the only verses in all of Scripture, where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are mentioned in the same verse altogether. John does this one other time in his gospel in John chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. If you remember this particular passage, this is at the baptism of Jesus. As John baptizes Jesus, you have God the Son present in the water. He says, I see the Spirit descended from heaven like a dove. The Holy Spirit is represented in a dove that comes and remains on Jesus. And then God the Father speaks and says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, John here in 1 John condenses all of those together to us, for us so that we can see the Spirit the Son and the Father all together as one. I think John does this in part here in, in 1 John and in his gospel to remind us that God is not three separate entities or that one part of God is more important than the other, but all three of them are co-equal and co-eternal. That even though God the Father sent God the Son and God the Son sent the Spirit, they all function in unity, in trinity, in equality together and have functioned in that way before the foundation of the world. And Jesus Christ is no small part of that particular trinity. When we are tempted 
to be led astray by false teaching, we must always go back to the center of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. When the world tries to lead us away into other thinking, into other belief, into other systems of thought, the centering piece for every Christian is Jesus Christ. We must continually go back to who he is and what that means for our life. So as John has told us here, the the way to gain biblical discernment according to these passages is first, don't believe everything you hear. Number two, focus on Christ. Number three, listen to the right teachers. I am thankful for technology. Do you guys love technology? I sing the Napoleon Dynamite song by Kip very often. Do you guys know this one? He's getting married at the end of Napoleon Dynamite. No other Napoleon nerds in here, just me? And my kids. All right, good. All right, John and Kelly, good. He writes a song to sing to his bride-to-be, and he's singing about how much he loves her, but he feels it's necessary to also sing about how he still loves technology. That's how I feel. Technology has made our lives so much easier, hasn't it? I can order food on my phone and have it delivered to my house in like 15 minutes now. Uh, That's amazing. Like the world is turned upside down. Do you remember when we were kids and they told us to not get in cars with strangers? Do you remember that? Now you order a stranger to come to your house and you get in their car and you, you ride away with them. The strangers bring candy to my house now. I don't have to go find the the strange van with the candy in it. It's amazing. But with technology comes all kinds of difficulties as well. Because now in this day and age, you can listen to teaching 24-7. You can have teaching, preaching, any number of different church services playing constantly in your ears. But that presents us with a significant problem. How do you know who is right and who isn't? How do you know who's teaching the truth and who's teaching a lie? What does John say in 1 John 4, chapter 6? Or 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. He says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the question here is, who is the us? Those who are from God knows God and listens to us. Who is the us? Well, obviously John is writing. John's talking about himself. Now again, this presents a significant problem for us. Does anybody have John the Apostle on speed dial? Can you call him and listen to him? I'd love to be able to call John or Paul or Peter and go, hey, have you listened to such and such preacher? Are they any good? And just have him tell me. But we can't. Or can we? The us that John is talking about here is not just one specific person. It's the apostles. It's the prophets. It's those who have penned the Scriptures. Those who listen to the Word of God, as the Word of God speaks to us today and carries the words of the prophets and apostles to our ears and hearts now, we must listen. 
Now, what does listen mean? Moms, you can uh, sympathize with this. Have you ever given instruction to your children and they say, I hear you, and do the exact opposite of what you asked them to do? Do your kids do that? My kids don't do that. They're perfect, but (laughs) your kids might do that. This is what happens oftentimes in false teaching. It's not just hearing. It's hearing and doing. Those who listen to the Word, those who heed the Word, and then do the Word. They do something with what they're hearing. Paul talks about it like this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What is he saying here? Part of the evidence of the truth of what's believed is the fact that those who preach it practice it. A preacher who preaches the Word of God and then does something different than the Word of God is a false preacher. This is like one of the biggest, the other part of it too is those who would attempt to add on to the Word of God. This is how the Bible ends in Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So this, this combination here of what we're seeing is that right teachers are those who teach according to the word of God and live according to the word of God. But again, this presents us with a problem with the fact that most of the preaching that you can hear today, you have no way of examining the life of those that you're listening to. So hear hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to anybody else but me, okay? That would get boring for you. I understand that. But what I am saying is that what you listen to on the internet or on television better be very carefully tested before you allow it to go into your hearts and minds. You must be very careful with what you're listening to and what you're heeding in terms of what the Word of God actually says. So the three ways to grow in biblical discernment according to this text is, number one, don't believe everything that you hear. Number two, focus on Christ. And number three, listen to the right teachers. And you might be asking the question, how do I know what teachers to listen to? How does one actually know what teachers to listen to? And I've hinted at this already, but let me suggest to you clearly what the text is saying. Number one, how to know which teachers to listen to. Number one, test what you hear against the Word of God. This idea of testing here is, is like a, a metal worker's test, or it means to prove by trial. And this has actually been a biblical standard all the way back to Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 21, there is a, an outline for how to test those who would say that they'd had a dream or received some sort of prophecy in terms of what, what should happen next. And here's what it says. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5 says this. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass... 
And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Do you catch what's being said here? He's saying that there was times in the past where someone would predict something that would come true. They would give a prophecy, and then that prophecy would come true. But the prophecy and the fulfillment of it wasn't enough evidence for them to follow this false teacher. The checklist for following them was whether or not they told those who would seek to follow them to follow the Lord or not. Just because someone's able to do signs and wonders doesn't mean that they serve the Lord. In fact, these particular people, according to this text, if we read on in verse 3, he says this, For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. This is like how serious they took false prophecy in the Old Testament. And I wonder if this were true, how many false prophets would still be on the television today? Here's, here's how this ends. Because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Even if they are an incredible speaker, even if they can work signs and wonders, even if they are a gifted leader, they should not be followed if the direction they are leading you is away from the God of the Bible. That's the point. First, test what you hear against the Word of God. Are they telling you to follow the God of the Bible or not? Number two, what do they believe about Jesus? And we've covered this already to some degree. In verse 2, it says, By this you know that every, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This idea of confession in the New Testament is one that Paul communicates to us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confession and belief are tied together. Because when we just think about confession with our mouth, we're going to immediately run into a problem in the New Testament. Because every time that a demonic spirit encounters Jesus Christ, what do they do? They confess who Jesus is with their mouth. The problem is they don't believe in their heart, they don't believe in their essence of who they are, that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. They've rejected Him. They know who He is, but they don't believe in him. And so just because someone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord doesn't mean that they believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead. You see, here, here's the issue. Everyone wants Jesus the Christ because Jesus the Christ provides salvation from hell. Jesus the Christ by himself is your get-out-of-hell-free card. But the confession here is that Jesus is Lord. Everyone wants Jesus the Christ. Very few are willing to submit to Jesus as Lord. And let me tell you, you can't have one without the other. 
If you call upon Jesus as your Christ, as your Savior, then you must also receive him as the Lord of your life. As the God-man, he both died for our sins, but now is also Lord and King of our life. Everything we do and say is to be an act of worship to him. The next way to know who the right teachers are is to question, do they teach and are they taught from the Word of God? In verse 5, he uses the word world several times. He says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. You see, what's happening here in this particular text, and I hope you see this as it's being unpacked, John is again drawing two very distinct worlds. He's drawing very two distinct sections, those who are from God and those who are from the devil, those who know the Word and those who disobey the Word, those who are of Christ and those who are Antichrist, those who are of God and those who are of the world. And here he's using the word world in three different, or really two different ways. He says they are from the world, so they have their origin, which is worldly. And, and let's be super clear here. When we talk about their origin being worldly, even in this text, he is making the connection between Antichrist, which is demonic, false teachers, which are demonic, and spirits, which are of this world, which are demonic. But he's making a distinction, and in most of your translations, when he talks about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the S in Spirit is an uppercase to indicate that that is the third person of the Trinity, Spirit of God. He's drawing a very, very fine line here. He's saying there are those who are of God, who are of the Spirit that come from God, and there are those who are from the devil. And he is giving no room for anything in between. It is one or the other. And because they come from the world, their message is worldly. Not that they're from the physical world, but they're ruled by a sinful principle that are found in such people. And because they're from the world, those who are of the world know their own and listen to them. This is why... Those who are worldly in their approach are so popular because they're speaking a worldly message to a worldly audience that is received by worldly people. And I hope this, is be, this has made things very clear for you because modern Christianity is so filled with lies that sometimes it's hard to even distinguish who is a Christian and who's not. Because there is so much false teaching in the world today that comes from a demonic origin that speaks to those who are of worldly origin and worldly belief that are wildly popular. And what John is telling us here is that just because a church or a particular speaker is pop popular doesn't mean that they're right. And in fact, there's a very good chance that they're wrong. And there's a very good chance that they come from a demonic origin. So if, if you want to have a very clear line in terms of how to tell 
who is of God and who isn't. We have to think about it in these true terms. We've already covered the, the truth that those who claim to speak on behalf of God need to preach and teach the Word of God. But here in this particular text, I think he's saying that they need to not just preach and teach the Word, but are sensitive to the teaching of God in their own life. What someone teaches and how they live literally reveals to us from what spirit they are teaching. Do you, do you get that? This is, should be immensely helpful to you. What someone teaches and how they live literally reveals to us what spirit they are teaching from. Again, there are only two spirits in this world. Verse 6 calls them the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is, again, to say the spirit from God and the spirit from Satan. But here's where I hope this is, is taking us to, this is calling us to. What this should encourage us to do, and this is my third point for today, is to see the spiritual nature of the battle that we are engaged in. Because oftentimes in this particular text, Right from verse 1, when he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, people start running away into all kinds of questions about, well, what spirit? What spirit am I not supposed to believe? What spirit am I supposed to believe? Who are or what are the spirits? Well, hopefully I've already made it very clear for you. There are only two families of spirits. Spirits that are of God, and spirits that are of the devil. Those who are influenced by God and his spirit, and those who are influenced by the devil and his spirit. We could go on and on with multiple passages, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6. 1 John, John's already mentioned this in chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. That there are many false prophets, there are many antichrists in the world. that they're continuing to go out in the world, and that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And they are all in the world already. And if we think about what's happening around us, if we stop to consider the battle that's happening around us, and not the physical battle, but the spiritual battle, we may start to get overwhelmed. Have you ever attempted to, to go to listen to good preaching and teaching and you, you search on a podcast and, and everything that you hit, like five minutes in, something starts to not sound right? And then you try again and it happens again. And then you go to work and it doesn't seem like there's any Christians that exist out there anymore. And then you turn on the radio and it's false teaching and you pick up the latest bestseller off the New York Times bestseller, and you read the first two pages, and you throw it in the garbage can. And then on top of that, not, not only are there antichrists all out in the world, the, the battle is actually spiritual in nature. But when we see all these things that are around us, and, and especially on a day today like Mother's Day or, or as a father, when, when I think about my own children, I have a hard time thinking about what the world is going to be when they grow up. The trajectory that we're headed on doesn't seem to be the most positive. And it's not just physical, it's spiritual in nature. 
I can start to get overwhelmed with what's happening around me, what's potentially going to happen with my children, the influence that my wife and I are going to have on them. Will they, they heed what's happening? And then John cuts through all of that with verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. How, how did we overcome them? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Read that again with me, brothers and sisters. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do not fear God is greater. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've encountered Jesus Christ, the God-man, and you've confessed to him that you're a sinner and you've received forgiveness from him, you are from God and God lives in you, which means you have overcome. You have conquered. You are a victor over those evil spirits that set about to influence us, to influence our children, to influence the generations from, from now forward. You, brother and sister in Jesus Christ, have overcome them. And all the fear that we might experience in terms of my life and my children's life is instantly dispelled because the Antichrist, the false prophets, the evil spirits, those who seek to influence, have no sway over you, brother and sister. First Corinthians 10 says it like this. No temptation. No evil spirit, no demonic teaching, no antichrist can overtake you. And there isn't any that's unique to you. They are common to man. But God, who is faithful, he will not let you be tempted above your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. If you have accepted some sort of false teaching into your life and you've headed down the path of unbiblical teaching, brother and sister, this passage tells us there is a way out. And the way out is through the person and work of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit, through the teaching of the Word. You can root out false teaching in your life and you can help others do that as well. Let's not forget how we've overcome. He who is in you is greater. We've already learned this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. Oftentimes, even when our heart tries to condemn us, you know who is greater than our heart? God is. God is greater than your heart, and he knows everything. And brothers and sisters, not, let's not forget. Let's go back and do what we already called ourselves to do in focusing on Jesus you know that Jesus has already judged the world. Did you know that? And because Jesus has judged the world, you know who doesn't get to pass judgment on us? The world does not get to pass judgment on us. No one gets to pass judgment on us because Jesus has already won the victory for us. John says in his gospel, chapter 12, verses 31 through 33, quoting Jesus Christ, he says, Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of the world has been cast out. And when I am lifted up from this earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Brothers and sisters, God has overcome through Jesus Christ so that now you too can overcome. 
And friend, if you are here today or you are watching online and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the devil desires to devour you like a roaring lion and he will sneak in the back door to do it. He will come into your heart and mind through television, through internet, through your friends, through everyone else to lead you astray. But brother, but friend, Jesus Christ died to win the victory over sin for you so that you too can have victory over the evil spirits of this world. Won't you come to him today? If you do not know Jesus Christ, the greatest gift you could give your mother on Mother's Day is to cry out in repentance to God and turn to him so that you too might not just be mother and child, but brother and sister in Jesus Christ. But friends, brother and sister in Jesus Christ, behold, victory is at hand. Do not give in to the elemental things of this world. Do not give in to the teaching of this world but in the power of the Spirit, see false teaching for what it is and fight it with the truth of the Word. Let us pray. Lord, oftentimes we are tempted to be afraid or anxious about what's happening in the world around us, but passages like this remind us how great you really are. There is no one greater than you. There is no one more powerful than you. And even though the devil might try to deceive us and lead us astray, we know that we have the more sure word, that we have the scriptures to lead us and guide us. We have the spirit to empower us. We have the church to help us. We have a specific goal in mind. Lord, the older that I get, the more I am ready for your return. We are ready to see you face to face, Lord. But until that day happens, help us to keep our eyes focused on you so that when we encounter false teaching, we can see it for what it is. Help us to not believe everything that we hear, but instead help us to be consumed with knowing you through your word. But help, help me, Lord, as a preacher of your word, to not just stand here and preach it, to these people today, to these brothers and sisters today, but help me to live it. Help me to be an example to them and help them to be an example to me in living it as well. Lord, I, I oftentimes feel like the Psalms where those who are your enemies, David, prays that you would just shut their mouths. And today I, I ask that you would do that, that you would reveal false teachers for what they are, that we would see them clearly. But Lord, help us to be reminded, help me to be reminded that I am not ultimately their judge, you are. That it is important to reveal false teachers, but it is also important to love them and pray for them. Because at one point, all of us were dead in trespasses and sins. All of us were separated from you. So, Lord, we, we pray that today you would help us as the saints here at Crossbridge, as the church, to, to be united around your word. 
Lord, I'm going to ask again that if there is anyone who is here that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day that you would call them to yourself, that you would save them, that they would know this victory that we speak about, that they would know the love of Jesus ministered to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I, I thank you today for the mothers that you have brought into my life. Lord, my mother and my mother-in-law have been godly examples of what it's like to be a woman of discernment, to know the Word and to live the Word. And I pray that, that you would help our mothers today to follow in the footsteps of those who have come before us in knowing your Word and living your Word that you would help us as husbands to encourage them in their, their walk with you and that we together would train up the next generation of discerning Christians for your glory. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to share this message, but remember, don't charge for it or change it. The Lord's message should be free and for everyone.